0: I would call it a strength sport personally because I know what they have to do to get ready for it. And for a bodybuilding fan that has never stood on stage under hot lights in front of thousands of people holding poses for 15 to 20 seconds at a time, go stand in front of your bathroom mirror and go try to hit each of those compulsory poses and then try to do it four or five times. You'll eventually get pretty tired and your muscles will start cramping. Then imagine doing it at 3% body fat while you're dehydrated.
1: Welcome to The Bar bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest coaches, athletes, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, we're talking to Roger Lockridge, who's been a writer in the fitness and strength spaces since 2009. He's one of the most prolific fitness writers in history, and he's been contributing to Barbend and Breaking Muscle since around 2019. Particularly when it comes to bodybuilding, you won't find someone who knows more and writes more on the space. Roger is actually going to be covering the Olympia weekend in Las Vegas a little later this year live, and treat this podcast as a sort of a primer, both for veteran bodybuilding fans and for those who might not really know how to follow the sport or what to look out for. We also talk about, well, is bodybuilding even a sport in and of itself? Roger has some really interesting thoughts there, and I personally learned a lot from this recording. But before we get into that, I want to give a quick shout out to today's episode sponsor, Thirdzy. Thirdzy's PM Recovery Collagen is formulated to help you sleep deeper and recover faster. It's got collagen peptides to support muscle, bone, and ligament health, plus sleep promoters like L-theanine and magnesium to help you fall asleep and stay asleep for better recovery. I'm personally a huge fan of magnesium before bed to help with relaxation. Wake up feeling energized and ready for the day and training ahead. Use code BARBENDZZZ, that's BARBEND with three Zs after it, for 25% off today. Now, onto the show. Roger, thank you so much for joining me today. We've been working together for a while, first time we've ever sat down for a podcast. So I'm super excited. For those who don't know you, uh, give us a little bit of of the rundown. Who's Roger Lockbridge? How did he get involved in this whole fitness thing? Because you have seen the entire industry evolve. Over the course of, of almost a couple decades now.
0: Yeah, thank you for uh, having me, first of all, David. It's a privilege. Um, I am from uh, rural West Virginia, a little town called Lewisburg, southeast part of the state. I got into the fitness thing because it was a positive outlet for me um, <laughs> without going into great detail. Childhood was a little rough, bullying, childhood domestic <laughs> violence. And uh, I didn't want to do anything super aggressive that would hurt others. So I found weightlifting. It was stress, it was aggressive, it was a positive release for me. It helped me. I was able to get bigger, able to get stronger, and I decided, you know what, I kind of want to make this my career. Started out as a personal trainer, worked at a supplement store for a couple of years as well, and I was writing out workouts for people, and and around 2009, I started writing a little blog on uh, the old bodybuilding.com body space. A former podcast guest of yours, Chris Gethin, signed me to a writer deal, and uh, I was off to the races. At the end of 2009, um, I got this little Writer of the Year award, but the local news thought it was a big deal, and they made me the top story on the news that evening. Of course, I'm sure you're familiar with West Virginia. There's not much that happens around here, so something like that's a big deal. I was just kind of off and running from there. I've been with uh, Ironman Magazine, um, muscleonstrike.com. I have joined Barbin. It was uh, it was January of 2019, and uh, I wanted to get more into other strength sports coverage, and I had seen your site. I followed your site and I think you remember this, I took a shot in the dark and emailed you because I had an Arnold Classic story that I thought you'd be interested in. For the next three and a half years, I think I've become more associated with Barbend than I had Bodybuilding.com, which is quite a statement. So it's been fun to be a part of this whole endeavor and to be able to shine some form of positive spotlight on all these athletes through Barbend's partnership. It's been an incredible process.
1: I think what a lot of people underestimate about Or they might, this might be a common misconception about people in strength content, right? You and I have both been writing on the space, in the space, around the space for a long time. And I get a lot of folks who ask me, it's like, oh, you know, when you can, because I've competed in a few different things, they're like, oh, when you competed, you must have been really elite. That's why you liked it so much. The answer is no. I'm not that great at lifting weights. I just truly enjoy it. And it had a very positive impact on my life. Just writing about records and events and kind of that top tier. I think we looked at those athletes for inspiration. Uh, it's cool to see what the human body is capable of, but just because we're in this space, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're the best at it. But we get so much from it personally, and I think for me, I think you and I kind of share this: trying to convey that positive impact that that strength training can have on a life. Like I'd much rather convince someone to get up off the couch and start lifting weights than I would to convince someone to, you know, train to set a world record. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it uh, absolutely makes perfect sense because I uh, know career I had at one point was in advocacy. And I was a bigger guy for someone that was in that particular field. So people would ask me about weight training questions and things like that. And I loved it. I loved being able to expose people to that lifestyle and hopefully they would catch the bug themselves and uh, started proving and reaching their own goals and seeing themselves improve and That was always more motivating for me than writing an article on how to do a curl or how to you know maximize your lateral raise. But at the same time, you know, at any point, if you can do anything in this space that can help improve quality of life for someone or quality of training, you know, absolutely, I'm all in on it. What I love to tell people is, I don't do this to make a living. I found a way to make a living so I could keep doing it.
1: Yeah, you have to reverse engineer it. I will say, when Barban started in 2016, geez. Almost seven years. We're coming up on seven years. Mm-hmm. The number of people who told me it was a bad idea economically to kind of put my chips in that basket for a job, there were a lot of folks. And here's the problem they weren't wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because it's been a long slog to get Barb into a place. And we're one of the biggest in the space. We're the biggest independent in the space right now in in kind of strength publishing to get to a place where it could really support careers. And, you know, I, I've been asked on a few podcasts that I've guested on, folks are like, oh, don't you like, going back and telling the haters like they were wrong. It's like, no, they, they actually were kind of right. It's really hard to make a living here and people have to get creative in how they in how they find it.
0: Yeah, and what I have told people in the past for my own particular instance is it's not that they were incorrect because that may be the rule. It's just there are exceptions to the rule. But what are the odds of being an exception to a rule? Well, in you and my case, we were the exceptions to the rule. The work that Barbin has done over that, Closing in on seven years has been astronomical. And I'm not saying that as a contributor. I'm saying that as a fan because I've watched it from beginning to now. And uh, that's why I wanted to jump on at some point because it's not often I reach out to someone to say, I want to be a part of something. At the risk of sounding arrogant, normally the editors reach out to me. Um, but this <laughs> this was something different. This was something special. And it covered all of strength sports, which was very unique. And to uh, to see the growth that has happened here, I mean, you're absolutely right. Barbin has become, a leader in all straight sports, bodybuilding, powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit, strongman, you name it, even high rocks. I mean, I'm not sure how much coverage high rocks was getting before barman came along, but now it's almost become a regular part of it. And the best part is what you have done. You've found a way to translate that outside of just news into training content, into reviews into things like that, that is helping improve the quality of life for the reader. That may become an athlete someday. That may become another exception to that rule.
1: The most surreal thing for me is, and then we'll, we'll I want to dive into. we're going to actually talk about bodybuilding coverage specifically in a second. But since Roger and I don't get the chance to talk as much as we used to, the thing that gets me is that, you know, we do news, we do the evergreen content, the training content. And I never thought we'd have the chance to touch that many types of content, right? I thought we'd have to pick something and kind of double down on it and we'd be a bit of a one-trick pony because we're we're so specific, right? Strength you know wellness is pretty broad and then you get to fitness and it's a little bit narrower and then you get to strength and it's even narrower then you get to strength sports and it's even narrower but the fact that we get to write all these different types of content is really really exciting to me and that also means that we get to bring on more people right who have different types of expertise and different types of interest because someone might be interested in the news aspect of strength sports and they might not really want to do you know a listicle or in-depth article on researcher exercises or vice versa. So, and I will say, Roger, I remember that first email. I was looking back on some old emails that you and I exchanged when you reached out, I'm always biased. Hey, I have a lot of family in West Virginia. I lived in West Virginia for a time, got a real like real special place in my heart. So I, I think that, you know, if you're someone who lives in rural West Virginia and you wanna make a career in strength sports, reach out to me or reach out to Roger and you're gonna have a very sympathetic ear because just something about that part of the country, I think, still holds a special place in, in my heart. I think great people come from West Virginia. That's just me though. Anyway, I know I'm not gonna get any disagreement from you, Roger. So. Nope,
0: no, nope, none at all.
1: <laughs> any anyway, let's talk a little bit about bodybuilding coverage. So, bodybuilding for context, and you know, you and I have had this conversation briefly. We didn't really cover a lot of bodybuilding when you first got involved with Barbon. In fact, you were Kind of expanding your horizons and we were covering other things and a lot of that was because i don't i don't have a background in bodybuilding our staff at the time we didn't have a background in bodybuilding i it wasn't the thing that really got me out of bed in the morning right i liked powerlifting, these things the bodybuilding space is, is is massive and we started touching bodybuilding when we knew we could do it at a scale and at a quality that was that was relevant right we didn't want to do it and do it really poorly and for the last Couple of years, you've been one of the go-to people for a bunch of different publications when it comes to bodybuilding coverage, including doing it live, like at the upcoming Olympia weekend. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what you like about covering bodybuilding live and writing about it, and maybe what's particularly challenging about it, or what you know you don't love about
0: it. Right. What I love about the part that's doing it live is I can remember reading the magazines in the old days, the Muscle and Fit the flags the muscular developments the iron mans all those that i eventually got to become a writer for and just being a part of that space being a part of that world and getting to see it live, and knowing that i can help bring the action to the next generation of fans who will never know what it was like to have to go back and read those magazines and it's a better form of coverage because we're getting to do things as it happens and the fan doesn't have to wait two months or call Gold's Gym Venice to find out who won the Olympia. All they got to do is go to Barben, follow the feeds on social media, and you're going to see everything as it happens, up to and including the call-out reports.
1: Wait, is that is that a real story, people having people calling Gold's Gym to find out who won the Olympia contest?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. They did in my local gym. The few muscle heads that were there where I trained, they would call Gold's Gym Venice to find out who won the Olympia. So um, they didn't want to wait
1: for the magazines to come out the next month, right? They just right. wanted the info right then.
0: Right. The internet was in its infancy. So, you know, you didn't get really a chance to see all the forums or anything like that. So you called the major gym chains that you knew had bodybuilders in them. And that was how you found out. Yeah, absolutely. True story. As far as the challenges part of it goes, let's call a spade a spade. It's bodybuilding. Quarter turn to the right. Front double bicep. You're not going to see too much in the form of entertainment from that part of it alone. So one of the challenges that comes with it is making it interesting. You know, talking about, you know, okay, well, in the case of the classic Physique Olympia, Bumstead is ripped, he's solid, he's huge, but Terrence Ruffin is putting on a posing exhibition like no other. That's a little bit of a tough dynamic to try to write out for a reader to understand if you're not watching it on the pay-per-view. But if that's the major challenge I have to face, then I'll be glad to face it because at the end of the day, the fans are staying updated live, athletes are getting exposure, the sport is growing from it. Barbend is maintaining a top position in terms of the coverage because we're doing something unique and to be a small part of that I'm all with Andrew and Phil and everybody else that's going to be backing us up for the uh, coverage this year, man, it's a fun process too. I mean, there's nothing like it. And, uh, I got to do it at the, at the Olympia last year, the Arnold this year. And yeah, I'll be in Las Vegas for the first time, uh, this year for Barbend, And I'll be doing a couple other small things on the side as well. It's a, Man, it's going to be exciting to be able to do 11 different world championships in the same weekend.
1: We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick shout out to our episode sponsor, Thirdsy. Thirdsy's PM Recovery Collagen is formulated to help you sleep deeper and recover faster. Collagen and sleep promoting ingredients make for a potent recovery supplement to help you wake up energized for the day and training ahead. Use code BARBENDZZZ, that's just BARBEND with three Zs right after it, for 25% off today. Now let's get back to the show. It's, it's absolutely insane that, look, sports are concentrated. I'd say the most concentrated sports season in the space is often, is often weightlifting, because it's really like the Olympics are the most important thing. That's only once every four years. The CrossFit Games, pretty concentrated. There are some other events on the calendar. But the Olympia weekend, like there are pro shows all year right across divisions but the olympia weekend is is it it's christmas it's new years it's every holiday kind of rolled into one and the fact that it's back in las vegas this that's your it'll be your first time in vegas
0: you said it'll be my first time in vegas period not not just for the olympia but in las vegas ever
1: i was gonna say i actually think that's a really good way to rip the band-aid off because las vegas is such an odd place in so many ways you take an event that is already like this This interesting microcosm that would turn a lot of heads and you put it in a city that just kind of blows your mind anyway, it's the perfect pairing, right? It's not, it's, it's, it's something out of like fantasy land. Like you went into the wardrobe and you came into this whole different world. Your first time covering the Olympia was live in person last year. Tell us about that. Tell us about a little bit of, about that experience, being there live as a journalist for the first time.
0: Being there last year was... It was a unique dynamic. We were starting to come out COVID, but there was still the struggle of COVID. And, you know, everybody was trying to maintain their distance. Everybody was trying to be respectable of the guidelines that Florida had. But at the same time, this was still the World Championships, and you knew everybody was going to be on their A game. So what are you going to do differently that nobody else is doing to stand out? So that was when we decided to do the call-out reports as they were happening. And to try to keep track of 60 bikini competitors or – 40 Classic Physique athletes that are all trying to stand out, but they look very similar and, you know, bear down those pin numbers so we can figure out who's in the callouts. And, oh, geez, they switched again. They're, okay, now the guy that was in the center is on the far left. It was a That was a little bit unique challenge to it. And then there's the fans behind you that are just going absolutely out of their minds for some of these divisions, like Classic Physique and a new wellness division and Men's Physique, the 212. The 212 has its own major loyal fan base, and they have their own stars as well. The energy was contagious. You just couldn't You just couldn't escape feeling it from the time you walked into the expo to the time you went back to the hotel.
1: What is your favorite division to see live that isn't men's open? Look, the Olympia weekend, it's, you know, it's multiple worlds, 11 world championships uh, or 14, I'm forgetting the number. And the one that people associate with is like, who's going to be Mr. O? Who's going to be the Mr. Olympia champ? And they often mean men's open. But bodybuilding has really diversified in a lot of ways. And I think that's that's partially been on purpose. We can talk about that. They're really trying to expand the sport to appeal to, to more different frames and bodies and, and, and training styles and audiences. What is your favorite division to cover that isn't men's Open?
0: I'm probably going to surprise you with this answer because it's not classic physique. It's not 212. It's the wheelchair division. Men's wheelchair. Um, Nick Scott is a friend of mine from the bodybuilding.com days, and he's the chairman of the division. And I have literally watched that division grow from the grassroots up until the point that it has an Olympia and Arnold Classic title that goes with it. Every athlete has their own inspirational story that leads them to that position on the stage. And they are working as hard, if not harder, than every other athlete to get to that point. And they are putting themselves out there for the world to see live on pay-per-view, live in attendance for thousands of fans. And you just can't help but feel like you have no excuse to try to be your best. See what these athletes are doing the inspiration is just spread far and wide and then to see last year it was harold kelly um this year there's a chance there's going to be a new champion crown because uh harold actually lost at the arnold classic um gabrielle and Julie, i believe was the Joma's name there it's going to be a very intense and competitive lineup this year even though that would probably be the last one on saturday at the olympia expo that's the one I'm looking forward to the most because the next time I'm in the gym, I'm going to be thinking about those guys and what they're doing. And Nick is also trying to branch out a women's wheelchair division as well. There's one athlete that's qualified as a pro right now. I believe he's trying to find a second. So, you know, if you need some inspiration before heading to a workout, watch that division at the Olympia. You won't, you won't regret it.
1: The best part about divisions like that is the stories behind them and the motivation behind them are are really exciting. Especially that one are really exciting in the early years. But now it's super competitive. So if you're able to follow along and maybe you get into it because of a particular competitor's story, something they've been through, something you can connect with, you blink and like two or three years later, the division's stacked. It's completely stacked with people who could take the crown away. And suddenly it's just as exhilarating as the others because heading into a particular event, you might not know who's bringing the package that's going to win it all.
0: Right. Yeah. It's uh, a... And- Wheelchair is the personification of that, but there are other divisions that do that as well. The new wellness division, you know, who would have ever imagined that Isabel Nunez would have not won the Olympia, but Francie Matos took the title. And now there's Dr. Sonny Andrews, there's Yorushna Ayala, there's uh, several of them that could easily take the title this year. It's going to be a very competitive lineup. And the same thing could be with 212. I mean, Sean Corita was qualified for both the open and the 212. Um, he wanted to do both, ultimately was told he couldn't. So he's going to try to take back the 212 title. So is Kamal Garni, who is also a former champion. If either one of them do it, they'll be the first man to have regained the title after losing it in that division. And I mean, you could do the same thing across every division. You know, I believe the Bikini is going to have four former champions, um, the Mr. Olympia and the Men's Open is going to have the past two champions. Every one of them have their own unique storylines. So that's why everyone have their own fan bases.
1: Are, you, are there any competitors who are making comebacks this year? Because it happens um, in the sport. People look, the lifestyle drains you, right? If you are a competitive bodybuilder in any division, you are eating, sleeping, and breathing quite literally mm-hmm. a particular lifestyle. And so we see people maybe phase out of that level of competition for a little bit, maybe because they have other life obligations that they want to explore other things and then come back into it. Or maybe an injury knocks them out for a little while. Could be anything. Are there any particular comeback stories that should be on our radar this year?
0: Yeah. um, In the two twelve, there's a gentleman named Eduardo Correa. He was right there with Flex Lewis during his reign in the mid-2010s, but then he kind of disappeared off the map for a few years. I think 2016 was the last time he was on the Olympia stage, Um, but he was sixth that year. And he is now back, and he's going to be in the Olympia this year. And it'll be interesting to see how he does against this whole new crop of talent like uh, Brian Balzano and uh, Kamal, who wasn't there when the last time Eduardo Carita competed, Sean uh, Corita, several others. The Kiev, the guy out of the Ukraine um, who's making a big splash. So uh, he's an older guy, an old generation guy who is now coming in with a new lineup. And it'll be interesting to see where he places.
1: For people who might be new to bodybuilding, but hey, say someone's listening to this and they're on the fence about watching the olympia weekend or maybe they decide hey you know what? i'm going to tune in for coverage could be they're reading recaps on barbend could be they pay for the pay-per-view and they actually want to watch it live what are some tips you give for newer bodybuilding fans about how to get the most from being a
0: spectator so the one thing i will tell them is the two main call outs you want to watch out for outside of the numerical call outs where they come out in number in number order is the first call out and the last call out because that's going to be where you find who your champions are. And in most instances, you would think a call out is from left to right. But in this particular sport, it's the center where you want to pay the most attention because the people in the center are the one that everybody else are being compared to. And there are two rounds, the pre-judging and the finals, the finals on Friday night and Saturday night, December 16th and December 17th. That's where you're going to see your champions crowned. And it's going to be, much more than just quarter turns and a pose down. Like, there's going to be some entertainment value this year that's going to be brought to the Olympia stage. And uh, it's going to be quite the show. So, you can catch the pre judging in and out, or you can keep up with Barbend to watch the pre judging stuff as it happens. If you're going to watch anything live, make sure you watch the live finals on both Friday and Saturday night. You will absolutely get your money's worth.
1: This brings up a good question. You say there's going to be spectacle. And I know event organizers in the years past have I've done a lot of different things to change up the sport. Sure. Uh, kind of change up the games change up the viewing experience cuz ultimately bodybuilding across all the divisions it's a very visual experience right where people are being their, their their physicality is being compared it's not like an objective measure who's who's lifting the most weight on the barbell right who's snatching or clean jerking or deadlifting the most it's very much not that it is comparing bodies is bodybuilding a sport or is it a spectacle
0: the way i would personally call it a sport's entertainment mm. But most people would associate that with WWE thinking it's predetermined. And it's really not.
1: But but are they so different in some ways? You know,
0: They're really not because there is an entertainment value that's trying to be brought to it. Um, you are going to see physiques being compared to each other. And there is a subjective conclusion to it because judges are the ones that are assigned the winners. So um, like I said, nothing's predetermined. So don't let anybody have that idea. But at the same time, there it's going to be – I would call it a strength sport personally because I know what they have to do to get ready for it. And for a bodybuilding fan that has never stood on stage under hot lights in front of thousands of people holding poses for 15 to 20 seconds at a time, go stand in front of your bathroom mirror and go try to hit each of those compulsory poses and then try to do it four or five times. You'll eventually get pretty tired and your muscles will start cramping. Then imagine doing it at 3% body fat while you're dehydrated. They are definitely athletes, I will say that. And I would personally call it a strength sport. But if I'm going to associate it with anything, I would call it more sports entertainment.
1: That is such an. I was racking my brain and prep for for this chat, and I was gonna try and offer up a better term, but I couldn't think of one. That is, a, I, I really like that, and that's probably when people bring it up to me because people bring it up to me now. I did not start barbend as a big bodybuilding fan, right? But I've had to learn about the sport, and as our editorial team has grown, and as I like, I, I no longer run our editorial team, which is a very good thing for all involved. Let me just put it that way. I've had to learn more about this, and I really, really do appreciate that framing and I can tell that's something you've also spent quite a bit of time thinking about so thank you for sharing that if you had a magic wand and you could change anything about competitions in bodybuilding it could be to add more spectator value it could be be for better judging whatever it is what might you tweak about how a bodybuilding competition is run and presented
0: you know I've never been asked that question before, so this might actually take me a second or two to come up with an answer to. <laughs> That's what, it, it, it's it's not meant to be a gotcha question. Like I'm just right. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, you know, I would actually make the posing routines more part of the competition itself because the posing rounds are not scored in most competitions. They are in like the Arnold Classic, but I would take it back to more of the old school days when you actually had to put together. A posing routine and do something that was going to inspire the crowd because a lot of these athletes, I hate to knock them and I'm not trying to, but there is a lot of clapping the hands and putting the hands to the ears, trying to ask the crowd to get them get up for them. And back in the older days, um, as someone like Sean Ray or Arnold Schwarzenegger would tell you, you know, that was their job. Their job was to put together something that would actually make the fans get up on their feet. And I would put some type of special bonus on top of that, whether it be a mandatory prize from the promoters for each competition or score the rounds. So it was actually a part of the final decision. All these athletes work so hard to develop these physiques, make them show it off and give the fans another reason to enjoy the show.
1: So you want to bring that choreography, that showmanship, that old razzle dazzle back is what is what you would do.
0: Yeah, pretty much. That would be it. I think so.
1: My whole goal for this podcast was to be able, was to, be able to say that old razzle dazzle. So that's like mission accomplished. For me, well, who do you, great who, chat, David. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, see, good, good, good job talking. Who do you think is the best poser or who had the best routines in bodybuilding
0: history? Lee LaBrata. And um, I have no hesitation with that answer because I would watch his stuff back in the 90s. And even now in the 2010s, it still stands out. That guy was an incredible poser, an incredible showman. And he would, put routines together that would help him beat guys 50, 60, 70 pounds bigger than he was. And he would make himself look so much bigger than he actually was. And I mean, that's something that's passed down to his son Hunter now because Hunter can do the same thing. um He can put together routines like that. um Another guy that can do it is uh Terrence Ruffin in the classic physique division. It's like walking art. And uh, Lee, Lee though would be my absolute favorite.
1: There's some strategy here. And I think the strategy a lot of the strategy for the sport happens behind the curtain, you know, and I think it's also a mental game. If you if anyone's ever watched Pumping Iron, which by the way, everyone should, it's just a fascinating film. The mental game, the mental intimidation that has an impact on the physical presence. I mean, it's like a masterclass in that psych in that psychology to physicality carryover. So cannot recommend that enough, even if you're not a bodybuilding fan, because it's just super interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, the way Arnold Schwarzenegger psyched out Lou Luferigno legitimately before the 1975 Olympia. As soon as he said, Lou, you need four or six more weeks, or however he actually said it, Lou just kind of got this developed over his face, and the contest was over. That mental aspect drained into his physical form when he showed up on the stage. And then to cap it off, Arnold had told Lou that he called his mother and said he had already won. Shoot, all that point, all Arnold had to do was go out and hit his poses. Just a
1: a very... I mean, some of it I'm sure was played up a little bit for the film maybe oh, cool. but uh just absolutely fascinating like microcosm of the sport and just of human psychology in general roger this has been flying by for me but before we part ways i do want to let you let the people know where they can find you your work what you're writing social media plugs all that all that jazz now is the time to do it oh
0: okay um well um Instagram and Twitter. I am at Rock Lockridge. That's R-O-C-K, Lockridge. You can always find my work on Barbin, which I'm proud to say on a regular basis. But you can also see a lot of my work. I share it all on my social media. One of the best parts of my job, though, is I get to cover so many different facets of the industry.
1: Roger, I really appreciate you taking the time. I am really excited to to see the kind of coverage that you put out later this year. It is always a pleasure to connect. Uh, And thank you for taking the time today.
0: David, it's an absolute pleasure to be on this podcast, and it's a joy to actually listen to your podcast when I'm doing cardio or I'm in training or driving on the road. It's always a master class with whoever it is you have on. Um, it's always a learning experience, so I greatly appreciate not only the opportunity to be on here with you, but everything you do for the industry as well. Oh,
1: thank you very much. The feeling goes both ways, my friend.